Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. Nicholas Bolka is a Savannah-based, Maryland-born, multi-instrumentalist producer inspired by classical, rock, and electronic music. His album, Tease, is a collection of meditative experiences to calm your soul. And that's how I discovered him. I discovered a track, Chamomile, or Chamomile, we can just, we can love to hear how you pronounce that. Um, on uh, Spotify and so invited him for a conversation. So let's get into it. Here we go. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So is it chamomile or chamomile? It's funny that you asked that. Uh, DTO, my collaborator, asked the same question when um, he was pronouncing the word and I, I said, well, I say chamomile, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Everyone I think that I've heard uh, in reference to the track has said chamomile, but I've also heard chamomile that I, now that I think about it. So to me, it's chamomile, but <laughs> to each her own. I think it's it's not a Southern thing to say chamomile, like chamomile tea. Isn't that? Could be. Am I making I, I haven't had chamomile <laughs> No. I haven't had chamomile tea with anyone in the South. Okay. Uh, but I have it in, in Maryland. And I guess my mom says chamomile. She's from West Virginia. So uh, there's a little bit of an accent there too. And I think I've picked up some bit of an accent even in the 10 years that I've been here. Uh, just kind of a, a chameleon of where I'm living. So I- Are you in West like... Virginia now? No, I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, you're, okay. My Savannah based, you, I guess. Currently. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's what based means. Yes. I'm getting it. Do you like Savannah? <laughs> I've heard Savannah's cool. Savannah is cool. Uh, we, My wife and I fell in love when we visited here. Um, she got a job out of college in the low country across the, the Talmadge Bridge, which leads to South Carolina, which is just like 35 minute drive. So we were living in South Carolina for a little bit after college. And then we moved to Savannah when we, we visited enough that we were like, we just, we need to live there because there's more going on and very um, interesting culturally little bubble in the South. Like college towny kind of, right? Art, art school, kind of hippie town. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's got a lot going on um, in the art scene. So it's, it's got its own flavor. Cool. Well, speaking of chamomile or chamomile, um, what, what was the, why tease? So it's tease, T-E-A-S, not like yes. I'm teasing you, but tease right. just for anybody just who's listening to it. Um, what was the, like, I think that's such a cool idea. I was listening to it the other day. It's like green, black. Ooh, is it oolong? There was, yeah, others, that's right? right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yerba what was mate. the inspiration there? So chamomile was the inspiration because I had that song on a different album. Uh, the first album I put out on Spotify was more psychedelic rock based. And um, I actually took that down for this release because it's it's not really in line with the the, the brand that I'm going for with my my music these days. So, but, it, but that song was, uh, bless you. 
that song was Mute it. um <laughs> it, it got a lot of good feedback i got a lot of good feedback from that track uh when i was still trying to figure out my style still trying to figure out my style to this day but i i think that the instrumental ambient music that has a lot of room for interpretation is uh an area that i want to keep exploring so i got good feedback from the song chamomile that was originally on um that first psychedelic rock album that was called trampoline dreams and so i did a whole tease album based off of the idea that maybe there are different flavors of tea that lend themselves to different headspaces spiritual journeys whatever however you want to approach that and so i re-released chamomile for a second time <laughs> um on the tease album with no edits it was just copied and then the other songs were created in the same um general general style and so then uh chamomile also was the song that dto liked the most i think from the tease album so it ended up getting released a third time with his ah. um his take on on it which is beautiful oh, okay so how did you meet him through a music service called the producer dojo um oh. i was introduced to or i heard an interview with uh kristen who goes by the name dream tonic and she did a collaboration with dto before i did but she spoke highly of him and his and his uh willingness to work with other artists so i reached out uh, over Instagram and just sent him, I just basically cold called and sent him um, my tease album because I listened to his music and I realized there was some overlap and I just, and I didn't really expect to hear much back to be honest, but he sent me back good feedback and he even mentioned, I think specific tracks. So um I just yeah we just continued the conversation from there and it ended up becoming a collaboration cool that's neat i met my i collaborate with a couple of people and one of them i also met through instagram it's a great uh yeah. great uh networking for musicians i feel like because i think if you're more in the corporate world maybe linkedin is a little bit better for <laughs> for those types of things but yeah if you're creative then um i really i really love instagram as as a tool for connecting uh, creative Definitely. people. Definitely. Yeah. So when well, you were talking about your style, which which is interesting to me, do you feel the need to like nail down a style because you need to be able to describe what you do? Or is that just sort of part of the artist's journey for you? Like that's going to be your motivation or your inspiration is to like find a, a style and through this you will create kind of thing or what what's that what yeah yeah so i think that um being an artist and, and a musician you pull from a lot of different influences 
for me, it's hard to, the hardest part of the process is figuring out what elements not to use in my music because I like, I have so many influences that I, um, I just can't, can't include them all and have one consistent brand or, or identity or message. So I am constantly trying to whittle down the sounds that I use. Uh, even on T's, there's a lot of different drum patterns and sounds. And one of the the consistent elements there is a is a particular plugin that that does some reverb uh, processing, which might be a little bit technical, but it um, it maintains that consistent. I think feeling of sort of an artificial space, but also one that feels warm. Um, and so that is kind of the common factor in that album. But yeah, it's it's always been difficult for me to really cut out some of the more strong influences, be it and every 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 style of music from jazz classical hip-hop rock I, I have different tracks in those styles as different identities um but i think the one that is most authentic is the one that i'm releasing under my government name um <laughs> which is which is a little bit less um less aggressive, you know, very chill music that I'm comfortable just having out. If, you know, if any employer were to Google me, it wouldn't be some crazy music or anything like that. So it feels the most authentic right now, that style of tease. Hmm. What is your, your process for beginning on an instrumental track like that or an electronic music track? Yeah. Uh, I love that question. And I want to hear your answer to that too, after I give mine. Um, I I begin usually with a chord progression. So I'll write on the guitar or piano. And then I usually slow it down. So I'll pull it into the the DAW and get the MIDI pattern. I I I like to write on an instrument, but then transpose it all or or compose it all in uh, a piano roll um first i will why, pull why it into that? you like to read it as you go along when you make the other parts or what yeah um so if i'm playing chords on the guitar i know roughly the notes in that chord and i can revoice them on the piano in logic but the fun part becomes when I can switch out the underlying instrument hmm. and put a lot of effects on it. So I'll I'll get like a pad or a synthesizer that takes the place of the piano, maybe add some guitar later with the same chord and same melody notes. And then from there, I throw it through a lot of reverb for the sound of T's and a lot of echo, echoey sounds. To, to build a sort of atmosphere. Um, and I like to uh, 
approach it with several tempos that are going on at the same time. So hmm. the bass will be really holding down the, the whole notes. Um, but then maybe there'll be some polyrhythm in the um, other melodic instruments, piano or guitar, so that the listener can can sort of lose lose focus on any one particular um, voice and have them all speak in a conversation that sort of uh, is more collective rather than any one instrument really taking the stage. And in that way, it's different than maybe like a band with a singer where the singer is the focus. Mm. And that's the whole point. Uh, a lot of music has a, a focus, one main character that can switch throughout the different instruments. But with my music, I like to create, at least in this style of tease, I like to create sort of a um, a mystery of the main character and let each voice uh, provide a little bit, a little piece of the puzzle to the whole track. And so for you, how do you compose from, yeah. from the start? Well, that's that's interesting. I've never composed anything stri strictly instrumental. I don't think, no. Um, so the idea of having like sort of a dilution of main characters, I really like that concept because that would be that would be meditative and I'd never for some reason I'd never really registered that as like an important characteristic of that type of music so that was really interesting that's funny that I've yeah I've never really thought about it in those terms um I suppose different than like if you were going to be guiding someone in a meditation and then you would like have a main voice to do that but basically with your music you're just sort of allowing focus to get really general as opposed mm -hmm. to like, like really singular and, and focused, which can be really, uh, can be really helpful if you're having a, a stressful, a stressful moment or just to relax your nervous system. Anyway. Um, so let's see, I would, I have different, I have different ways of creating music, but if I'm sending something off to say, um, Mons, who's my, uh, collaborator in Sweden. Um, I would probably write something on piano or harmonium, and then I would like just do really basic chords and do the voice over it and then just send it over to him. And then he magically sends me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, um, it's, I feel so spoiled. It's so amazing. He, he just sends me like an orchestrated piece of music that I then get to sing along to. Um, so I get to do karaoke. But that's that's basically my process in that I don't do a ton of I used to do a lot of piano playing, but I, I I'm mainly just focused on voice down, letting other people be virtuosic in their in their instruments, because although I love playing it, I yeah, it's not like um, I don't know, maybe one day I'll have the time that I used to to practice um, piano. But at this time, it seems like my my attention is better um, served on creating new stuff and and using my voice and then just letting people who, you know, because like Mons's main instrument is piano and he is a much better pianist than I am. So might as well have him do, you know, the 
the um yeah anyway so there's yeah. only so many hours in the day and it does definitely helps to to specialize in, in, in what you're good at and and also i've found that collaborating opens up so many ideas that you wouldn't explore on your own at least for me when i send something to my friends in maryland or anyone that i'm collaborating with like literally anyone I, they'd do something that i wouldn't think yeah do. yeah yeah, that part is is super cool. And if you can have that trust with somebody like, you know, you you knew with DTO that you like his music. So you were expecting to get something that you were going to like back, I assume, you know, um, that's always nice, too, is you develop like a relationship with somebody and then you you know that it might I sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. And what he comes up with is like, whoa, that's out of left field. Like I was not hearing that, but I love it. So great. Yeah. Yes. That's a great feeling too, because you feel like someone's in on your secret before the rest of the world has heard it. Mm -hmm. You're vibing same kind of energy and, and then together you can sort of grow this like plant into something that you're proud of. Yeah. I like that. That was a lot of analogies. <laughs> <laughs> plant secret i love it um <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it is like it's a weird sort of it's it's a weird sort of um communication i guess because do you find this like once once something is sort of created with my song then i can't hear it any other way anymore like it's oh yeah that must have been it yeah yeah Definitely. Um, I think, yeah, the, the ear and the mind are very tricky in the sense that sometimes when I'm mixing and I, I didn't realize this for a long time and I, going back, I, I heard the term ear fatigue, but I didn't realize what it really meant. I always thought that ear fatigue was just like you need to turn the music down because your ears are going to get damaged physically or something i didn't realize that ear fatigue was like you start to hear something enough and it just it sounds right and you love it and and i think that it can get really um hard to to hear things with fresh ears i always look forward to the morning after i i do music because i i hear the the, the next morning when i wake up and I hear the track that I worked on the day before, I've got like the parts that are working and aren't working all like I hear it differently than the day before. And so I, I like cherish that first listen the next day um, because it does sound right. It sounds like it's like that's how the song is supposed to sound. And it's it's just amazing all the mental gymnastics that the brain can go through to really be like, to become habituated to a sound. And and I don't think that's bad. I think it's a very cool effect. I think that when it sounds right and you hear it a lot, it, it becomes an experience that you have with the track. It's why your favorite music is your favorite music and it stays with you for a long time because you hear something enough and you're gonna, you're gonna like it. Yeah, I was listening to it 
some sort of um, study they did to that effect that was like everything I, it's it's called something there's some like name for the formula but everything has to be like just this much new like it was some percentage you know like this much new with this much familiar that's like there's like the right quote you know um uh what do you call a fraction the right the proportions it has to be like the right proportion new to familiar and then things do really well but if it's too new or too familiar it like it doesn't yeah it can become overwhelming to 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 try to get your con get your feet in context yeah yeah um to, to really understand where the where, how the change fits in with the with the previous bars of music yeah so having that ratio yeah that, and and i think that's one of the the closest um, ratio that was the word i was looking for thank you <laughs> yeah yeah the the ratio when the ratio is right um it it sounds new but old at the same time mm. yeah or like that's the only way it could have gone yeah yeah it's really interesting it's like you 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 must have had the experience of sharing something you've been working on with somebody and you can totally hear where this thing is going but the person's like i think this sounds kind of bad and you're like no no this isn't the finished thing can't you hear like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's one of the, the interesting things i've learned i learned through the dojo which i think i mentioned earlier is the mix is the medium of translating your ideas so i've used to always I've, i'm still getting trying to get better at mixing because to me i usually just listen on headphones and it sounds right to me but but then when i play my music on a pa it's it's the treble is is low and the bass is just overwhelmingly high because i i'm mixing on headphones and wasn't really aware of that so there are some tricks that i've learned to to fix that but being able to really um dial in how your sounds will translate across mediums has been like super has helped me level up a lot because people then who don't have the same headphones or who are listening through monitors or expensive pa system or whatever they're listening through they'll get it well more likely they'll be more likely to get it than um than they would if i had optimized for my own hearing which is which is sometimes interesting because it doesn't sound as good to you as it could in the in the headphones that you're using at the time but it sounds better to a larger percentage of people mm. yeah well that's you mean like because most people are listening through like their airpods or through right phones it, you can't it's yeah, there's so many devices that you, you just have to like, it's almost a guessing game. You just have to reference with different tracks and, and check on so many different kinds of speakers and and especially AirPods. They're so popular mm -hmm. and especially a big PA because you never know when someone's going to put it on a big PA. And that can be really uh, unflattering if you haven't li listened to <laughs> it there. And there's just one really loud frequency. It'll get amplified a lot. So. I've had that experience before and 
And so I'm trying to just remember that uh, who is the music for? Is it is it for me and my my headphones, or is it for everyone else to have a good experience listening to it? And and that was an important realization. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It it just makes me think of how impossible it really is to like make it so that everybody's going to hear something the same way. It's sort of like you can use the clear, the best words to explain your point, but there's still going to be like a percentage of people who don't understand what you're talking about because they're not ready to hear it. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you can have them listen on their, on their homes. But like the thing that just boggles my mind about speakers is that everybody can adjust their speakers. So you might decide that there was too much treble, but the person who's going to listen to your track is going to turn it all, you know, it's like, it's true. It's subjective. <laughs> Give me more bass or what, you know, what, whatever it is. So, um, I was listening to a track. I was trying to have my, my partner listen to something that I had done. And I was like, just listen to it through my, I had, I had AirPods actually. It's like, just listen to the AirPods. It's like, why don't we listen to it on the, our speakers are just the TV like speakers. So we can do it through that. And I started to listen. I was like, no, oh my gosh, no. Like <laughs> to put it back in the AirPods. This is not what, we, yeah, this is, this is not the right speaker situation. But yeah. yeah. It's so tricky. I wish I was better at, at that part of production, but I'm working through that. Yeah, I don't think that that's, I mean, is that something that we can really get around? Like, that's just sort of the, that's the, the nature of creating music these days. Like some people are going to listen to a really lo-fi version of your track as an MP3 from some website. And some people are going to, you know, want the wave file and some people are going to listen to it on an amazing PA system. And some people are going to listen to it through their phone speaker, you know, like. Yeah, this is not really something you can perfectly solve for. I think. There, there are definitely some some ways to to mitigate just a really poor like frequency response, but for the most part, you're right. It's just it's luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah. It's well, the right people will have the right equipment to listen to to your music. It'll all work out. And that's a great point because often there there is a particular setup or standard for a particular um form or, or mm. expression of, of music like in the studio i'm sure often in in the yoga studio for example there there is a, a speaker setup so it's not people listening to their own music and their own device but it's rather a shared experience so yeah yeah that's another reason why like, a pa is super important before you actually release something yeah what do you are what what is the dojo thing like what what um is that like a, a is that like a website a course like what yeah it's it's the uh there is a a discord and a website and a whole community of electronic musicians oh. uh, i think it would yeah, it's it's the electronic music part of, of my bio, which goes hand in hand with the production part. I feel like some of the best producers these days are are in the the electronic music genre. Um because a lot of it 
for better or worse, is, is a competition in loudness. Uh, but if you learn how to do loudness well, then you can be quiet too. And, and, and dynamics are super, super important for, for our type of music where it being very quiet is necessary, but also building energy over time is, is very important too. So, um, I learned a lot from the dojo about how to just hear, hear better, hear what, um, the different like extremes of sound. So you may have like, like a left, left or right panned music. Um, that, that is obvious, but some things that are less obvious are maybe uh, how much reverb is on a particular voice. And so how, where does that put it in the stereo or, or the, the front to back spectrum? Hmm. So something with something with more reverb might sound farther away because you're hearing all the the reverberations off the walls before you're hearing the 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 transient sound the the loud sound. So if you got a lot of reverb on something, it's going to sound distant. And I, I use a lot of reverb in T's, and it sounds kind of this distant sort of atmosphere where nothing's really that close to you. But I think that sort of helps that helps the vibe and what mm -hmm. I was trying to accomplish there. What do you mean by a competition in loudness? I'm curious. Yeah, so um, at the at the ending stage of of releasing an electronic dance music song, usually uh, sometimes you'll put a limiter on it to try to get to a certain amount of LUFS minus let's say minus seven luffs. Um, and that's just a good barometer for, for loudness these days. I think Spotify only really allows like minus 14 loves, but who knows what the next platform will, will allow you to, to master to a specific level at. So minus seven loves would just be, that'd be pretty loud. You, you would hear that at the smallest volume on your computer, you would still hear that in your um, and that's that's not like isn't I guess my assumption about those um, the companies were that they were kind of uh, oh, I'm losing my word but um, equalizing um, mm -hmm. like loudest volume for every track kind of thing you wouldn't have something that was louder than something else even if you like it or is there not some sort of process that's done so that it's not all these different volumes or, or are you talking about something different. Yeah, there is that that does happen. So on Spotify, it wouldn't matter if you might if you mastered some minus seven luffs, which is actually louder than minus 14 luffs. Okay. Um, so, um, so, but when when people are DJing, often they buy the tracks. So okay, so this would be like a higher be, quality. Yeah, there, there, there may not be that that company that's normalizing everything it's up to the dj to either have a uh a red line that's you know nothing's going high like a ceiling and then yeah. that's up to the, the dj i think uh to sort of determine how loud and i guess the dj and the sound sound guy in the sound booth it's up to them to how loud the things are going the tracks are going to play um but they're usually purchase tracks so 
there's no company that's normalizing them. Right. Okay. And la and and we often hear louder as as better. Um, if it sounds louder or more impactful, might be a better way of putting it than better. But you'll, gotcha. you'll definitely hear it. <laughs> but we are talking about volume as opposed to like density of sound. Well, that's an interesting point that I learned from the dojo too. And that is you can get really loud with fewer, you can get louder with fewer instruments. Mm. The more instruments that you have, um, the, the quieter the whole thing, the whole track is going to be um, to get to the same amount of bluffs, roughly speaking. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but is it because they're canceling has, out each other's frequency? Could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be some frequency cancellation, some some phasing. Um, but also, there's there's less going on, and and I, I think it makes the the algorithm a little bit more more clean. It's a cleaner implementation of the algorithm for that to to have those it, well that being said i'm 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 coming at this all from just kind of a surface understanding of how luffs are actually measured so i don't i don't know i, sh I should look that up and kind of figure out the the science behind that but um we'll have a part two I, and you can do a lecture okay on luffs. <laughs> okay I'm serious. Yeah, and that, you, can, I, you can come and chat about I'll that. Be happy, I'll be happy to do that. Um, I, I, I think that for, yeah, LUFS is relatively new too. It's, it's not like a measurement that's been around for a while. I, I feel like all the the new platforms, Spotify, Tidal, uh, Deezer, whatever, YouTube Music, Apple Music, they're all... Um, they're all sort of requiring these, these on the fly, like, oh, we need to we need to figure out how to make something sound good. Uh, and so we need new measurements that aren't just like peak loudness because you could have one really loud sound and then, but the rest of your track is really quiet. And so there, there needs to be some way to, to average all that stuff out. I, I definitely know it's an average of some, some sort. I think it's called integrated LUFS or LUFS. Okay. And, and there might be like a short-term LUF measurement too that I've seen. Yeah, I've um, never even heard of that. So I think, yeah, I would be interested to know about that. Do you find that you want to know, like, does it help you in your music making to understand these things more specifically? Or are you content to sort of just know that they exist and be like, well, I know how to get the results that I want. I'm not going to kind of get into the weeds on this particular topic, or do you like to like really, you know, understand? I, I like to, to not let, in terms of my music creation, I don't really let it bog me down too much. I, I try to know the rules so that I can justify why I, I broke them <laughs> in certain instances. Um, for example, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the rules of the dojo is kind of like have a main singer. Um, oh, okay. Even if that's like a, even if that's like 
I, I don't want to use the word rule, but one of the suggestions is have a focus, you know, focus your mix. Um, and I think in the dance realm, like that's super important because you, you do want to have a focus and that main character does sort of the, the onus is on that main character to tell the story or collection of main characters who, who switch off focus. But in in spiritual music, it's less important. And in fact, I would say like maybe um, there there should be times where there's not a, a main focus. Mm. Um, even if that like not maybe not the whole track, but there should there should be some quiet. And 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 silence is an instrument in itself too. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Um. I, that's also new to me, actually, is calling the instruments characters. That makes a lot of sense because they're not always recognizable instruments, I guess. Is that is that why you use that term? Yeah, um, right. Because in the synth, synth world, it's hard to label what a sound is. I mean, it, it took me a long time to understand what people were talking about when they were mentioning like a Reese, a Reese bass, um, like a, a growl, um, if you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, I've heard that before in these these crazy these crazy EDM songs. But okay. uh, it took me a while to to understand what those were, and and they are characters. They really do play a role, and they they really get and and they have almost an archetype in themselves. So there is kind of like a language that has been hard for me to crack honestly i'm 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 i find it difficult to make an edm song i learn a lot from the dojo but i i just can't can't um can't seem to solve that puzzle and that's okay i don't think it necessarily is the kind of music that that i gravitate towards either so it's um but I think it's good to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and try some new things. So I've been trying that out and uh, nothing but positive results from it, especially just with like reflection on like previous work tees mm -hmm. and, and, and then when I go back and listen to my first album, I, I hear a lot of the stuff I was trying to do. Um, but that was preventing me from really, I think delivering the message that I wanted to. Um, part of, part of writing a story is figuring out what doesn't need to be in it. And it can, it can, when you put a lot of effort into like writing a guitar part that might work, but doesn't really work. That's the, that's the hardest one. When you know it's bad, it's easy to cut it, but when it's kind of good, but not that good. And you try to like, but you spend a lot of time doing it. Sometimes you just got to let like cut your losses. Yeah. That can be hard. Yeah, I hear you. What is the message? Do you think that you're conveying in in your music? When because it seems like you know what you don't want to be saying, has that gotten you kind of closer to discovering what it is you are saying or want to be saying? Or what do you think Tease said? Is that a fair question? Sure, it's a great question. Um. I 
I think that music says a lot of things to a lot of people in different ways. Um, but the one underlying constant is the relationship between the sounds and the song. So that that is kind of what I focus on is the rhythm. I think rhythm is what I focus on. Um, rhythm and melody are super important to me, uh, more important than sound choice, which I think in today's world can can be it can be tricky because to me a lot of sounds sound good to me but then other people hear them and they're like that sounds muddy and washed out and they use all these adjectives that i'm like oh i i i i, I hear what you're saying and um and that's an interesting take and you're probably right objectively uh and that's how you're hearing my music so um so just learning that you're just recognizing the fact that there are some you could say everything is subjective and what sounds good to one person is is fair and that's totally true but it might not reach as many people from an objective standpoint where it might not be as popular you know mm. Um, and I think a lot of that these days comes from sound choice, things that, that sound novel or, or are just very, um, very, I don't want to say like loud in the visual sense, almost like ostentatious, like the kind of that, that is one area where I know I don't really want to go. So I focus tease down and one of the constants with my music is um, rhythm and, and melody. Like they're just in harmony, kind of like the classical approach. That's where the classical approach sort of falls into place, where it is where I really like the interplay between um, the different frequency ranges and, and the different rhythms that are playing in those frequency ranges. So the I, I, the question that you asked was was about tease specifically. It was it was something. I'm sorry, I, I lost the original question in its, it was, in its. It had something to do with form. with what what you thought it was saying, or what what okay, the right, right. behind it was, like what what you were conveying through it. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I went through it big tangent there to try to get back to this point, which was um, tease okay. is kind of <laughs> tease is kind of trying to take um, um, I don't want to really use the word timeless, but I will. I'll say like a, an approach where these concepts that are um, that have been around in music and will last for forever because they're the essence of music melody rhythm and harmony where those are the focus as opposed to any particular sound so the meaning of tease is uh to try to escape 
any particular uh, time frame and write music that will last and be interesting to others in the future. And the hope is that it is sort of like sound design agnostic in the sense that um, <laughs> it doesn't really depend on what is like the newest synthesizer out or what a cool sampler can accomplish. It is sort of um, electronic music that is um, where the relationships between the the rhythm and the melody is sort of the focus. So, yeah, it it's basically saying that I, I want it to to exist beyond any kind of specific synthesizer or sound that, that it might be made from. I'm getting from this sort of a sense that because you're talking about relationships and the story within the song that would it be fair to say that your conceptualizing of this song is a sort of microcosm in which the meaning has to do with what's going on inside that microcosm as opposed to like how that sound relates to something out there. Yeah, totally. That's a great way to put it. Thanks for clearing up what I think I was hinting at, but you said <laughs> way more eloquently. My my partner and I are, were joking about the term mansplaining because he was like, did I just mansplain <laughs> you? And I was like, yeah, but I sort of did that to you earlier. There's just not a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely... Close, close so to the truth there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think another thing that I was trying to accomplish with TVs, which is sort of secondary, but that is sort of more permeates through most of my music, is is an appeal to the the non-material. So I'm kind of like an anti-materialist philosophically. I, I don't really think that we have uh, really a good grasp on what reality actually is. I think we have five senses that we experience the world through and, you know, animals have senses that are stronger than ours in, in different domains. Like I think, I think cats can hear up to 192 kilohertz. No, really. Which would be like, I, we don't even know what that sounds like. Is that loud or is that like um, a higher frequency than dogs? Huh? Yeah, and yet cats... they don't ever have that like, what's that sound thing going on that dogs have when you do like a high whistle? Like a dog whistle, right? I, I, yeah, I just read this recently. I think um, dogs have a lower high frequency threshold than cats. And, and then the highest is like bats. I think bats go really high too. Oh, maybe it just doesn't bother them. Maybe it like bothers the dog, but it doesn't bother the cat. Could could very well be. I think. Um, yeah. That's, sorry, that's but you had some... a point about that. I feel like, and I went off on. You were saying that animals have um, more or have more heightened senses than we have. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, as humans, we 
we or maybe in, in this you know post post uh what was the what was the name of the like 1700 scientific revolution there's like a name for it i don't remember but um like the age you know post new the enlightenment yeah enlightenment. enlightenment there you yes, go yes yes so <laughs> So post enlightenment, I think the thing uh, that supposedly people... happened, but that we're all still waiting for. <laughs> right, right. We're also going to yoga to be enlightened. And... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, I I think that the scientific world is it's easy to just think that that's all there is, and because tech does so much for us, uh, and, and I feel like science is like a new religion. And people are are shying away from spiritual. Um, this is very general, but I mean, some people are shying away from from spiritual outlooks on life because it seems like almost uh, facetious to to believe that maybe there's more than just like atoms and molecules and quantum mechanics and. Um, but I, I think that there's really like there's just so much that we don't know. We like we think we know so much about oh we just saw a black hole and so now we have the whole cosmos mapped out. I don't know. I I just I I don't I don't think that the materialism is is going to give us all the answers and somehow that connects to T's. Um, but no, it's I just one it. of the philosophy. <laughs> I get it. That I mean that that experience of drinking tea is a very suspended in time kind of situation. People don't drink tea like they drink coffee where they're like trying to accomplish this drinking of the coffee. I mean in other countries yeah. it's different, but in America I think we have yeah, a relationship exactly. with coffee that's like I'm gonna, this is like the the shot that I need to, you know, produce and Actually, right. Mike, Michael Pollan's book about caffeine is fascinating in that respect. Did you did you read that? It's like a free. I, I may model. have seen. I may have seen something about that. Um, was he the one who took like a little break from it for a while and then came back? Yes. Yes. That... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something about that, and it was it was fascinating. It's Just... so crazy. He's basically like we would not have as a culture or as like a as a civilization we would not have produced anything if you know anything anything into intellectual because mm -hmm. we were drunk <laughs> oh right it was it became the new uh, beverage of choice right, right. well like instead of instead of like being ideal the beverage you're drinking being ideal for like manual labor and brainless sort of you know non-intellectual activity which was how you build bridges and castles and things now people were like thinking and they were able to stay up past their bedtime and you know yeah right yeah that, yeah that's fascinating um i'm certainly a very appreciative of the modern technology that we have now because we can talk totally and, i mean i'm I'm a I'm a software developer, so like. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 my. That's what pays the bills right now. Um, so, um, yeah, I I can't, I can't say I don't love my technology, but I I think that it's dangerous. Not maybe not dangerous, but. Sure, I will say dangerous to to 
put all to 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 think that's all that there is is maybe not dangerous but a little i think it's naive i honestly think it's naive yeah well it's funny too because if you look back not that long ago all there is was not all that there is so there was potential for more which means that there's more invisible things being uncovered all the time or being created right so like there will never be an all there is because there's always going to be we're always going to be discovering new things and even even if you're completely materialist we're always going to be building new things and that thing will not have existed yesterday but it exists today so what's what's doing that Yeah, does everything have to have an explanation? <laughs> yeah. I don't Well, know, like go ahead. <laughs> that's kind of what tease is like, I don't know, it just kind of is a something that I, I made. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, it's just something that uh, I think sounded good at the time. And um, it is it is fun to talk about. I like I like thinking about those days because that was definitely a different that was before I had kids. So that was a whole different music. I was a different musician back then and different ideas of like, um, well, purpose and, and stuff like that. How old are your children now? My daughter, Julia, is three. She, she just had a birthday in December and my youngest, Genevieve, is one. And she just had her birthday last Wednesday. Nice. Yeah, I have two Yeah. as well. They're nine and six and well, they will be 10 and seven. Yeah, it changes everything. Yeah, it does. Obviously, but yeah, there's also so much, there's so much right in the way that children see the world, everything <laughs> we should be, we should be reminding ourselves daily because it's just, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Nicholas, would you like to tell Nick, would you like to tell who will be known as Nicholas? Um, would you like to tell everyone how they can uh, find out more about you, your music, stay in touch with you. I will have this as links in the show notes for people to click on as well. Okay, awesome. Just wanted to first say thank you so much for the conversation. It was a pleasure. Yeah, And thanks for doing that. uh, maybe we can do a second one if you're up. I'll be down. Yeah, you Um, you um can teach us all about is it luffs? yeah, I'll I'll do my research. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't have to talk about luffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Spotify is Nicholas Bolka. And I'm sure that's it's also YouTube music, all the all the major streaming platforms. Um, you can find me under my name, Nicholas Bolka, and my Instagram, if you'd like to connect there, is also Instagram.com slash Nicholas Bolka, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S. B-U-L-K-A. Um, feel free to email me. Also, anyone who'd like to connect feels particularly inspired by a song or just wants to ask me a question. Um, my email is nicholasbolka at gmail.com.
Okie doke. I will have those for people to click or copy paste. Thank you so much for uh, for being willing to to come and have a conversation with someone that you don't know. So I appreciate your your bravery. And um, uh, yeah, I will let you know when this comes out. And uh, for everyone listening at home, thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.